0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting lately on Luke chapter 9 and uh, focusing especially on uh, the part from verse 18 through 27 um, where, you know, Jesus is uh, asking his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And and there's this back and forth um, between Jesus and his disciples and Peter makes an affirmation of faith and then Jesus makes um, some statements about what does it mean to follow him and sort of the narrow path. And interestingly, looking at this in the larger setting of uh, you know just what comes prior to this in Luke 8 and 9, you know we have um, all kinds of activity of Jesus, you know, very missional activity. Um, of him, you know, going out and about. You know that we have the parable of the sower, and then we have the Gerasene demoniac who is uh, re- freed from all of his evil spirits, and and then recruited to be one of Jesus's uh, first missionaries. And then we have um, all of his healing, like the woman with the blood flow, and uh, the daughter of um, of Jairus who is raised from the dead um and then we have in chapter 9 Jesus calls the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases and he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing and so this is the first time that Jesus really deputizes the disciples and um and they go out and they um that causes a stir you know um Herod Wonders what's happening, you know, whether John the Baptist, the guy he's beheaded, has been raised from the dead. He hears about this Jesus movement. And and anyway, beginning in verse 10, it says, When the apostles returned, they gave an account to him of all that they'd done. And taking them with him, he withdrew by himself to a city called Bethsaida. But the crowds were aware of this and followed him and welcomed him, welcoming him are welcoming them he began speaking to them about the kingdom of god and curing those who had need of healing so interestingly jesus um you know um brings the d- disciples off by themselves he withdraws but um the crowds follow him they be, they're aware of it and they and he doesn't um you know put up any boundaries really does he he's um he welcomes the crowds and he begins to speak to them about the kingdom of God and he, and he heals them of their diseases. And this is so common um, throughout the Gospel of Luke where, you know, Jesus, his treatment of sort of the masses of people is um, healing and proclamation of the good news. And right after that, we have this uh, beautiful account of the feeding of the 5,000 Um you know, the 12, they come to Jesus and they, and they say, Hey, Jesus, send the crowds away, um, so that they can find lodging and get something to eat. Um, cause this is like a, a desolate place, a wilderness. And, but he tells them, you, you guys, you give them something to eat. And, you know, and this amazing story, um, of them saying, Hey, we only have five loaves and two fish and how, how could that be enough? And then, um, and then Jesus uh, instructs his disciples and um, has the people sit down in groups of fifty. And then he um, he takes the five loaves and the fish, and looking up to heaven, he blesses them, and he breaks them, and he ke- and he keeps giving them to the disciples be- um, t- to set before the people, and everyone eats. And it's just sort of uh, I don't know the the abundance, the lavish. Uh, giving of Jesus, the generosity is remarkable. And, uh, and there's all this, um, food that's left over these 12 basketfuls. And he, um, you know, I really, I really love how Jesus is trying to jump his disciples into this mindset of, of generous, um, giving and, um, you know, providing for the people, giving them what they need so that they can uh, be available to uh, to the teaching. They can, you know, their physical needs are being met so that they can take in these words about the kingdom of God. And um, so it's not just that they're they're being helped uh, materially, which so often we as the body of Christ, you know, we, we do that. We separate ministries of proclamation um, from ministries of presence. And, you know, uh, we have soup kitchens and we do outreaches that involve helping people with their physical issues, you know, re-entry programs that help people get jobs and, and you know, and deal with their, their fines. And all of that is so, so good. Um, you know, having, um, you know, having closed closets that we can help, where we can help people that are really on the margins in a, in a material way. Yet with Jesus, you never see a separation between um, preaching the good news of the kingdom healing, and then in this case, now feeding the people, they all go hand in hand. And um, so then um, we keep going in verse 18. It happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he questioned them saying, who do the people say that I am? So, you know, Jesus, um, he isn't imposing his identity on people. He's not making his help to them contingent upon whether they recognize him for for who he truly is, the Son of God, the, the, the Lord himself, um, Christ, you know, the Messiah. Um, he's curious about just what people are thinking. And um, and so they answer, and they said, uh, John the Baptist. Okay, so would that make someone a Christian if they believed Jesus was John the Baptist? Would that make them a believer? I don't think so, you know. It's it, what just whatever someone thinks Whoever th- someone thinks Jesus is isn't doesn't mean that you know that they're a believer, right? Um, others say Elijah. You know, if uh, if we if we thought that people thought Jesus was Elijah, um, would we consider them you know a follower of Jesus, a believer, a Christian? No, right? But others that he's one of the prophets of old who's risen again, um, and so um, there's all um, all of these different possibilities, right? And today people think of Jesus in all kinds of different ways. They think of him as just a man or even a myth who, uh, you know, who was, uh, disciples who idealized him after his death. They created all these, invented all these stories with all these miracle stories and stories of the resurrection. And, you know, there's people that see him as, um, as like, uh, the prophet, who is just one of the prophets, like that's uh, that's how Islam sees him. Others um, might see him as just um, you know one form of the Christ figure, um, the, who was present you know that two thousand years ago. But now there's other Christs. You know, there's there's just uh, some people see him as God, and um, and others um, you know see him as 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 just uh, an impostor. And so we have just a huge variety in, in our world, don't we? And um, Peter answered and said, um, or, or Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Now he's addressing the disciples, um, his inner circle. And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. So Peter um, gets it right. But look how Jesus responds. Uh, my translation the New American Standard Version says, but he warned them. And instructed them not to tell this to anyone. But the word um, w- translated here is "warn." Uh, "Epitmao" actually means to rebuke. It's the same word as like rebuking demons, and but it can mean to, to command. Um, it can mean um, you know to express strong disapproval, to rebuke, to denounce. Okay, um, so um, Jesus is t- taken aside or takes Peter aside and rebukes him at a certain point. Or no, Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him, sorry. Matthew 16, 22. Um, Anyway, um, so Jesus is um, rebuking them, commanding them not to tell anyone who he is. And um, I find that really curious. Um, You know, often I think we're really quick to make sure that people know who Jesus is and know the full story of um, you know what we consider the essentials of you know that are that make up Orthodox faith, so that um, we're making sure that we we tell it like it is and and we and we get it all right and um, dot all the i's and cross all the t's in in the way we describe Jesus to people that are not yet believers. Um, and in fact, I was um, I was recently in London just last weekend uh, doing a training. Um, and we, we were asked, uh, I was asked to pray with a, a man, a, an Iranian guy who was part of a, a, a group that was exploring faith. And he, um, so I had a prayer partner and the two of us were praying, we sat down with the guy and, and we, we asked him what was wrong. And he'd had, um, bone cancer and, um, had gone through chemo and lost all of his hair and he still had, um, all this pain in his feet. In his heels and to the point where it was excruciating pain when he walked and he just said you know his whole life was just not moving forward was not working and so um you know we asked him i asked him if he considered himself a, a believer in jesus he says oh yes yes i believe in jesus um i believe in that in jesus and and in um that he's one of the prophets and uh i believe in muhammad and in buddha and um Anyway, it was pretty clear his view of Jesus was, um, you know, was not sort of orthodox Christian and he still considered himself, you know, um, a Muslim. And so the friend, my partner was saying, well, you know, it's important that, you know, that we, you can't serve two masters, you know, and um, it's important to recognize uh, that Jesus, you know, is the, the way and, and, and um, she was saying it. Really tactfully, and at the same time, I could feel that there was just uh, we were going in a direction of sort of, uh, in a way uh, where he was feeling defensive, and and I felt like we needed to pray for him, and um, because that's what he requested, and and maybe not go into the details of of you know just uh, who Jesus was, and but I felt like uh, I got this thought that that um that you know from Matthew chapter ten. Where Jesus says, "The one who receives you receives me, and the one who receives me receives the one who sent me." So I said to him, um, I told him that I said, "Well, Jesus says um, that the person who receives disciples, his disciples, which the two of us were disciples of Jesus, anyone who receives Jesus' as disciples receives him, and and receives the one who sent him, the Father." So, um, as disciples of Jesus, you've come to. You, 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 you know, we are disciples of Jesus. If you, would you like, you you want us to pray? Would would you accept that we pray for you, um, knowing that you're you know you're receiving um, disciples of Jesus who believe He's the Son of God, and um, and we're going to be praying in the name of Jesus. And he said yes. So I thought, okay, that's that's beautiful. That's great. And maybe that's all that was needed. So I got down um, on my knees, I, I stooped down in front of him and, um, to pray for his feet. And, uh, he suddenly just kind of freaked out like, no, 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 no. What, what are you doing? Why are you getting down like that? Don't no, 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 no. He was embarrassed because I was, um, he saw my posture is just humbling myself before him and he felt, you know, awkward. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. I mean, how am I going to pray? How are we going to pray for your feet if we can't, you know, like, um, is it okay if I just hold your feet and pray for your heels just in my hands, pray for them? And he says, okay. So, um, we prayed together for this man, um, and, and just blessed him and, uh, blessed him with healing in his, um, in his bones and blessed his life and commanded the the cancer to just be destroyed in Jesus name. And, ordered the pain to go out of his heels and just were praying. I was just praying as we were, uh, as, as the spirit led and my partner was praying. And then we stopped. And uh, when we were done and asked him, well, how, you know, how are you? And he says, well, there's no more pain right now, but the only way I would really know if it was gone is by just standing up. Cause when I stand on my heels, it's excruciating. So he stood up and then, um, this this big uh, expression of just complete, like, being blown away, like awe came over his face. And he just began to tell us, you know, no way. What did you do? What did you do? You know what? This is crazy. There's no pain. And he started hopping around on his heels and just completely in shock. And he says, this is crazy. I can't even believe it. There's no pain. And it's just been excruciating. And... um and i th- i just was so touched to see this guy's um just the the joy that came over him and i and i i really think that what jesus is is doing in um in these gospel accounts is is it's that it's it's bringing people into a, an experience of of just experiencing god's love concretely in their in their bodies it's his way into their lives um is through just loving them without um requiring them to confess anything to change to um you know to uh have a follow a script you know to make an affirmation of faith to renounce anything um it's uh his he wants love he leads with love and um you know i um and so i wonder whether peter and the disciples are are being warned or being commanded to not say that uh, Jesus is the Christ, because that would be a distraction. Um, because people really need to be to be to experience the love, you know, without um, without the full implications of knowing every detail about Jesus, um, because that's something that comes as they follow, as they actually follow behind and. Um, and this is, um, so Jesus, in verse 21, so he warns them or, or rebukes them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Okay, so this is um, this is a message that the disciples Hadn't heard really, um, and it gets repeated numerous times in Luke's gospel, and in all the gospels, Jesus is talking about a way of being the Messiah that is not what people were expecting. It's it's a way of being the Messiah that is present throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. You know, um, we have prophetic words about about the Messiah. You know, like in in Isaiah chapter fifty three. Um, you know how um, he grows up. Um, like a root out of parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty that we would look upon him, his, nor appearance that we would be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised and we didn't value him. And, um, you know, we have statements that talk about the coming Messiah that way, um, Throughout the throughout the Old Testament, but but that wasn't what people were um, expecting, you know, which is why people didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and I think Jesus was being really careful; he didn't want um, to be reinforcing false notions of of what the Messiah was, uh, who the Messiah was was as just one who came um, with a message that you know, of just positivity and, and in the sense of just bringing, um, you know, relief to everybody, which is what everyone needs and and wants, you know, freedom from the Roman imperialist powers and, you know, from sickness and, and from hunger and poverty. And, um, these are all needs and Jesus was addressing those needs, but his way of being the Messiah went beyond that, was deeper than that. And in order to, um, take that in, it, it's a process and it requires revelation and, um, and, and following you know um, because in reality, um, the powers that rule the world are um, going to be antagonistic and you know hostile towards towards Jesus. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. And the chief priests and scribes, okay. So the the three categories of the most sort of uh, authoritative religious people in uh, among the people of God um, will reject him and kill him, um, but he'll be raised up on the third day. So he will, in the end, be victorious. However, the way to victory is through the cross, and. Um, You know, we have this idea of rejection um, present, like uh, elsewhere it's talked about in Luke 17.25. Jesus talks about the Messiah, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Um, And Jesus in in Luke 20.17, he he talks about how um, the stone which the builders rejected himself, that is, has become, this became the chief cornerstone. And um, and so um, then he goes on and talks about how it's not just um, his destiny, but it's the destiny of his followers as well. So uh, the way um, forward for anyone who's going to come to recognize Jesus as the Christ is, is, a, is a way uh, of the cross. It's a way of suffering that includes those who follow. In verse 23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, okay, now we're talking about, um, you know, anyone who is, uh, their desire is to come after, to follow, um, that one must deny themselves, okay, um, denying ourselves, like saying no to ourselves, is, is what that term deny literally means, um, you know, it's to forsake, to renounce, um, and it's the term psyche, it's to renounce your soul, yourself, your, you know, your, your whole, um, um, your standing in the world, your, your, you know, your, I mean, the soul literally includes your intellect, your, um, your will, your emotion, but it's, it's the word that, that translates also just your, you know, your life. Um, if anyone uh, wishes to come after me, he must deny himself um, and take up his cross daily, okay, and follow me. Um, I um, I just find this um, to be so countercultural, and um, and you know if we lead with this, we're gonna really have a hard time. Um, you know we're gonna people are gonna take offense maybe sooner than then they need to, you know, Jesus, um, is so pastoral. I think when he tells his disciples, uh, he rebukes them or warns them not to tell anyone that he's the Christ. It's, uh, I think it's a pastoral move because he, he knows that it's more than what people can bear. They, they, um, you know, they need to be brought in, um, through, um, a process of, of trusting and following and and uh, experiencing and, and, you know, seeing, tasting, knowing the goodness of God. Um, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life or her life for my sake, uh, she or he is the one who will save it. So, um, if you think of the Messiah as someone who is just there to give you security in this life, um, you know, like, uh, a Rambo or, you know, just, uh, someone who is, it's just the ultimate vehicle that has all the, um, um, just every, every, everything that would protect you. Should there be an accident the, you know, roll bars and, you know, and, um, you know, just, uh, airbags and whatever else, like if you if you see that um, following Jesus is just, that it's just about giving you security in this life and in the next, then um, okay, well, you're missing something. Seriously, um, a key core to discipleship. Um, denying ourselves is, is it, it goes against our culture now, maybe more than ever. Now, we have the cult of the self. This the self is in the driver's seat, you know, where everybody is um, feels the pressure to define our identity. You know, what is my actual gender? Is it is it the same gender as my as as my sex at birth, my you know, my biological um, sex at, at my birth, or is it is it what I want it to be? You know, um there's a huge amount of pressure on all of us to um, to construct an identity for ourselves and, um, you know, and the heroes of our, of our contemporary culture are those that have constructed an identity for themselves and denial of self is the last, uh, last thing that people are thinking about these days. It's, it's just giving yourself what yourself needs and wants according to, you know, however you define it. And, um, everyone is, is praised and, Encouraged to just do what is right in our own eyes. That's the, that's the way of our culture, and the way of of, of Jesus as the Messiah is is a way that um, actually gets um, you know gets him killed. Um, it leads to rejection, and um, and so Jesus says, um, if anyone wishes to come after him, uh, that person must deny themselves and take up the cross daily, daily. And so this is clearly not talking about actually being executed daily. It's a metaphor, taking up your cross is, um, the cross hadn't even, um, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. So we don't have, um, you know, the cross ha- having hasn't been accomplished yet by Jesus. Um, this is Luke 9, not the end of the gospel, right? And so, but everyone knew what the cross was. It was the primary Um, means of execution of the day and um, so we need to be willing to you know to surrender our lives over even to the point of death um, as um, and and that requires radical trust doesn't it and um, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it if that's our main objective is just personal security earthly security um, for our soul we're going to lose our soul um but the one who loses um his soul or her soul for the sake of jesus um not just for the sake of renouncing our life or ourselves but um in um the journey of following jesus there there comes about uh you know occasions where we're going to um you know we're going to um give up things give up uh, certain privileges and rights and Entitlements and um, and we're gonna uh, feel led to um, you know to give of ourselves and our time because we're being tapped on the shoulder by the Spirit to you know to show the love you know to give our time to to go out of our comfort zone for the sake of you know um, of the kingdom and um, like the disciples who are sent out in pairs uh, or actually that's afterwards they're sent out individually in Luke 9, um, and they're told to go and to take nothing for their journey, neither a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money, um, not extra clothes. They're just supposed to stay and be, and be vulnerable, um, guests and uh, be hosted by people and, you know, and to preach the gospel and to heal. And, um, and so to do that requires, um, surrendering our need to be in control, our need for security. Um, and it, it, it's exciting and it's up. Uh, there's great, you know, the great joy that comes with that, and, and also, though, suffering and rejection. Verse 25 For what is it a, a man profited if he or she gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when. He comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Um, and so Jesus is calling us to fully uh, be bought in to th- his agenda as Messiah, as Christ. And the Christ is the, the anointed one who, who overcomes the, the ruler of this world, who brings about um, the kingdom, who ushers in the kingdom. That's who the Christ is, and the way Jesus does that is through Suffering love, he doesn't do it through uh, acts of self-preservation or, you know, acts of group preservation through, you know, uh, engaging in warfare. You know, this is one of the great heresies of our day: is just the embracing of the lie of the myth of redemptive violence that we can justify uh, taking others' lives in the interests of protecting um, our own lives. Jesus is talking about another way here of being Messiah that went completely against that goes completely against it. And, you know, and we can't have it both ways. And so this is why uh, the whole process of coming to recognize him as Messiah needs to be, you know, carefully, um, um, we need to train people and teach, um, and we need to know it ourselves and be people that are taking up our cross daily and following him. And uh, verse 27 um, ends this section in a really positive note. He says, but I say to you truthfully that there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So Jesus isn't just being morose and um, overly, um, you know, sort of apocalyptic in a sense. He's, there's hope. There's hope for the people that are standing there. There's hope for us. That um, that we're going to see the kingdom of God, um, you know, we're not going to taste death until we see the kingdom of God, and that is um, that 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 uh, promise is followed up by another text that I just want to just briefly touch touch down on, uh, which is the transfiguration. Okay, where um, so it's eight days after these sayings, he takes uh, Peter and John and James, and they go up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses and Elijah, who appeared, were, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So the cross, um, his death and um, his resurrection and his ascension. And um, so Peter and his companions, they were overcome with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men standing with him. And, um, and so we see that Peter, um, he says, uh, he wants to make three tabernacles. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. You know, like um, wanting to place each, uh, like the Torah would be the, you know, the, the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible the Mo- attributed to Moses. Moses was like the, you know, the author of that was viewed that as the primary authority. So a, a tent for him, and then one for Elijah, who represents the whole prophetic tradition of, of this in the Hebrew scriptures. And, and then Jesus, um, a third tent. And like they are all on the same par, they're equal. And um, and this is where um, we have a corrective regarding Jesus being the Messiah. That is a corrective that we need to fully um you know, to deal with and 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 embrace the, the revelation here, um, because um, so while Peter was saying this about them all being on the same footing, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud, saying, "This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him." So see the it's in that place of of the cloud. Um, you know, where um, the voice um, of the Father is revealed um, to this select group of people who really are um, devoted to following Jesus. Um, and they they get that revelation. And I think this is suggesting that this is a uh, this is really where Jesus is wanting. Um, everyone, all these big crowds, the 5,000, you know, that are enjoying the bread and the fish and all those that are experiencing the healing. He he wants all of us to be led um, into that place where we're able to experience that revelation um, where we hear um, the Father's uh, voice about who the Son is. This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. And He trumps other revelations. Listen to Him, not... Um, Moses and uh, Elijah as if, um, you know, the Hebrew scriptures and all the teachings attributed to those, um, you know, to the prophets and to the, and to Moses are, are on the same level. Okay. I mean, some people say, well, you know, um, why would we not exercise violence? Because look, um, you have violence in the Old Testament. God commands, um, you know, Israel to destroy this or that Canaanite city and 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 so, look, it's in the Bible, and so, of course, we need to, you know, uh, be willing to go to war and, you know, try to destroy um, the Russian troops that are invading Ukraine. And um, no, um, we, we can't use the Old Testament that way. Um, there's a superior um, revelation, and it's the son who uh, the father says, um, this is my son, um, this is my son who... Who is also the Messiah? Listen to him, and um, you know, and that is um, listening to him and following him is going to lead to um, you know us being rejected, you know, by the elders, by the scribes, by the um, chief priests of our day, and um, potentially also being, um, you know, being uh, suffering even to the point of, of death, you know, being rejected. And um, and the temptation to deny uh, Jesus is is there for sure, and you know we have um, you know denial of of Jesus as as something that um, you know that is that is a continual temptation, and Peter himself um, you know denied Jesus. Um, woman, I do not know him, right? So um, so just in conclusion. Um, i just like us to to pray um, that we would experience more of that revelation of Jesus's true identity and, um, and that we would also grow in our wisdom and knowing how to walk alongside people who are, you know, who were accompanying, um, who were helping um, them uh, experience God's love and come to know um, Jesus. And um, we don't want to do anything that would get in the way of just their natural journey of, of becoming a disciple. So God our Father thank you you know for just the scriptures and these amazing um teachings of Jesus. Thank you Jesus for um being a Messiah that is just so um so different and um so about respect and and love to the point where you um you so humbly give yourself and and you subject yourself to uh, to the rejection of of the authorities, and um, you know the important people of your of your day. And thank you that you um, you know that you you invite us to to follow you, and you call us to join you uh, in in the same movement that you embodied that you embodied, and help us to 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 experience the revelation ourselves, and um, empower us to be able to take up our cross daily. Um, show us what it means to deny ourselves and um and to be willing to lose our lives for the sake of of you jesus not just uh, f- for any other reason we want to be in alignment um, show us too all how to talk about you and um and bring uh, announce your kingdom and and be about the works of mercy and justice and showing the love in the concrete ways that um, that you instructed your disciples to, to show that love through healing, through uh, freeing people from evil evil powers, from through feeding them and everything that you em- embodied in the Gospels. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.